Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. If you haven't already, be sure to swing on over to audibletrial.com simpletheology where you'll be able to browse their unmatched library of audio titles and receive a free audiobook download just for signing up for a trial. Again, that's audibletrial.com simpletheology. Welcome to Simple Theology. Rick? Welcome to Simple Theology. Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Gromlich. What up, Big Daddy? Not much, man. Welcome back. Welcome back from what? Welcome back to my basement. We are in Rick's hipster basement yet again. He's even added another fluorescent light. Yeah, it's kind of annoying because it's really bright, but it also is really bright. So, that's so earlier cool. earlier I said that it, it makes your, hip, your basement feel more hipster. I think yeah. I should actually take that back because yeah, dark and dungy that. feels more hipster than feels like a shop. this bright white light. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, shops aren't bad, but that's what it feels like. Anyway, Rob, real quick question. I know everyone's wanting to know, are you still recycling? I am. Are you? <laughs> yes. So you're getting into it. <laughs> yeah. So we've got like a little trash can or a little That's what I'm talking about. next to our main trash can. And so earlier we, um, we talked about LaCroix, right? Yes. And I said I wasn't a huge fan. Like, still the flavors, eh, it's decent, whatever. But I've been drinking a lot of LaCroix lately. Have you? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. And it took Danielle a while um, to convince me to drink LaCroix. And because I just, I don't know, I, for some reason I thought there was more sugars in it. And I thought, yeah. I don't know, carbonation wasn't necessarily great for your digestive tract. Looked it up, carbonation helps your digestive tract, yeah. apparently. And I've heard that. there's no sugars in this thing. It's naturally essenced. According to the <laughs> according to the can. Can you define essence in that context? I couldn't even define it for you. And okay. so, but yeah, I've been drinking Lacroix. Danielle drinks Lacroix, which means we have a lot of Lacroix cans to recycle. There and I just dumped out our recycling into our bigger recycle bin uh, this morning. Feel good about it, didn't you? No, but I thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, man. No, I've got two things to take out to the trash can. <laughs> this trash God can. God forbid and... I help save the planet. Yeah. Come on, Rob. But hey, no, there, there is, I, um, I don't know the name of it, but there's a doctrine, kind of a, I don't want to say ideology, but a theology that... that doctrine of the EPA. Well, no, that we will actually, and the new heavens and new earth will have something to do with, like, the current earth or something like this. And so there's a movement to, like, really, among Protestants, to really take care of the earth because it will be our inheritance. Well, I mean, God's going to redeem the earth. Well, I know that, but this is, I think, something different. So, I mean, you can at least feel good that you're... As long as you're here, you're helping contribute to a cleaner earth, Rob. Yeah. That so should be Rick's, something Rick, you should be excited about. What Rick's about. really saying is that if you don't recycle, then heaven's not going to be as good. Yeah, it's all up to us. Let us work harder. <laughs> so again, to recap Rick. your salvation and your eternal home is up to you. Yeah. Take care of it now. <laughs> Dividends will kick out, pay out later. So Rick, we yeah. are, today's June 30th, right? That's and right. And when this drops, it'll be July 2nd. That's Lord correct. Willing. Um, because we are great planners and we have none in the queue, and so we're last sec- last second <laughs> producing here. We um, it's but real, real life stuff. But tomorrow's a big day for you. Yeah, I'm preaching tomorrow. Me too. So, are you? What up? <laughs> hey. Yeah. What are you preaching on? First uh, John, chapter one, verses five through ten. All right. Fellowship with God. Yeah. Cool. Um, you're not gonna say what you're preaching on. I'm preaching on the Bible. No. Second <laughs> Corinthians nine, uh, six through fifteen. 
I'm rounding out a series on contagious giving. So, mm. anyway. You guys getting a new building? Soon. Soon we're going to, you know, prime in the pump, baby. <laughs> Got to get people to yeah, I just, feel good about giving well, you money. Right before we started our budgets, we went giving the increase so we can budget more for next year. Yeah. It's strategic. I've heard you talking about how you need a raise, so I see what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, tomorrow, as Rob's alluding to, is my wife and I's one-year anniversary. So one year down, and it's uh, it's been great. So you guys a had have happened. had like kind of a rapid-fire relationship. You dated for how long before you got married? Well, let's put some context in this, okay? <laughs> First of all, I've, I knew I my think wife. less context is better. <laughs> yeah, let's go less, con- less context. Uh, we dated for six months. Yeah. We engaged for five months. So 11 months into our relationship, we got married. We got hitched. Yes. And then, um, well, it was about 10 and a half months after that, we had a baby. So Now you want to put some context in it? Yeah, um, that's about, no. So my wife and I, we almost dated two years before we started dating the second time. You need to 20... stop moving on that chair. It keeps squeaking. I'm sorry. It's my hipster chair. I don't, oh, know, if it's, I don't know if it's getting through the chair, mic, but it's definitely chair squeaking. was in my dad's office when I was like a baby. So this chair's from the 80s. Wow. I mean, I'm not from the 80s, but the chair is. So it's hipster. Anyway, my Maybe wife and I, we've known each other for a while. Um, since I was 18, she was 15. We just, that's when we first met. Tried to date in 2014, didn't work. Tried again in 2016, and it worked. Convinced her. So key word is persistence. That's right. So, so and I think Rob understands persistence because his wife kind of turned him down a yeah. little bit at first. Yeah, I wanted to go on a date with her, and probably I don't know a month before the date because I was away at college, and so we had plans to get together. Uh, she texted me about a month before our plans were supposed to take place, and she said, "Hey, just just so we're clear, um, we're just going out as friends." Mm. And I was like, "Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> like, of course, we know what that means." <laughs> and so. At that point, I was like, yep, this isn't happening. <laughs> so I uh, never actually pursued going out with her after that because I said, why waste my time, which is really Wait, mature. how did you guys, I mean, I, I came back for Christmas break, right. like yeah, a yeah. month or two after when we were supposed to go out for the first time. And um, after we hung out as a group, yeah. she texted me later. She said, hey, if you still want to go out, we should totally do that sometime. And so I was like, I see what you're doing. And rest is history. Rob seduced her. You dog. Yeah. Pulled out all the tricks on that one. Um, But anyway, Rick. Yeah. Today is uh, podcasting history being made for our podcast. For our podcast. (laughs) And even though though Pete, our Australian friend Pete, made a a kind of a guest appearance on our last episode through the Marco Polo, we have our first real guest in the studio. Mm Mm-hmm. Today in the studio. Yep, and and I just want to go ahead and put it out there that we were talking beforehand, and and we have like a little video of us um, setting up. So if you're on, if you support us on Patreon, you'll have access to that video. Uh, but mm-hmm. we have a professional musician in studio. That's right. And Rick, who do we have here? Um, so in studio with us, good friend Luke Miller. Luke, uh, well, you can get into kind of what you do and so forth. But I've known Luke since. Well, way back, um, years actually, we connected when I was at a church in Melbourne, and he was in Melbourne. His sister went to youth group with my sister and I, and so I think I met Luke when I was before I graduated high school, because we were both in high school. So a while back, and um, Luke is a fellow Christian Missionary Alliance pastor. He's ordained in the CMA, 
and um, it's great to, to serve with him. So we're glad you're here, Luke. Why and, you just, what? Well, I was going to say when I met Luke. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Rob, why don't you introduce our, our guest? <laughs> I met Luke a couple years ago at T4G. Yes, that's so right. So we were getting some Subway in Louisville, mm-hmm. and you and somebody else. Your brother. brother. Your, you and your brother. Yep. <laughs> Tyler. Came over, and the Tyler. only thing. Shout out to you, Tyler. The only yep. thing I really remember about that um, was that Rick has a couple friends who are Green Bay Packer fans. And so I just remember. Paul Swanson being one of those. So Paul Swanson? Yes, he's a man, huge Packer fan. I thought, so I thought he was a Christian. Be careful. <laughs> oh, he's a godly, godly man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we have, we have Luke Miller here. Luke, real quick, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and just tell us a little bit about you and your story. Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess I'll just say, like Rick said, I'm a worship pastor. Up in Mansfield, Westwood. Uh, I've been doing that for roughly four years or something like that. Uh, so basically, it just means I'm in charge of the worship service at our church. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, I've been raised in a Christian home. I don't know where you want me to go yeah, with no, this. You know, I'll give, give you a long story. But, Luke uh, is, a, is it's not the purpose of this podcast. Original Knox County guy, like the three of us. Yeah. Yes. So he's yeah. actually branched out more. I have. I mean, you guys. A little more culture than you guys now. Um, yep. so, and, so, and, okay, you want to interrupt me one more time? Nope. You go ahead. No. I, I got, I got it. what I'm going to say. Do you? Yeah. All right. So, Luke, anyway, um, you, all <laughs> 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 right, so Luke, you said you grew up in a Christian home. Yeah. Uh, you attended a couple different churches growing up. Yep. You are now in the CMA and yeah. the church that you are at, Westwood Alliance in Mansfield. Um, you are just attending there. Right, that's kind of how you got plugged yeah, in. Yeah, Started bringing you on staff. Tell us a little bit quickly. Yeah, about sure, that. sure. So I, uh, I, I, I moved on from the church that I grew up at, which is a tough decision, but one that that needed to happen at that point. Um, and I went up to Mansfield. Um, I had college plans. Actually, I wanted to go to I wanted to go to Boyce, which is Southern Seminary. Oh, wow. I wanted to go there. Um, was set on that. I'm like, this is great school. This is going to work out. Uh, financial and health stuff just came my way, prevented me from going. Long story short, I ended up going to Moody online. And I was like, well, all I know to do at this point is get a job and find a solid church. So I found Westwood, just kind of showed up and was like, hey, uh, I think I want to be a pastor, but I don't want to assume that. So just here I am and let me do whatever I can do. And started doing a lot with worship and about six seven months later so they they uh to my much to my surprise um hired me on part-time so yep so did you see that coming i did not no i mean i thought i think i I was hopeful down the road that might work out but uh no definitely not anytime that soon i just so it blew me away it was extremely helpful and yeah that's i mean that's similar to my story i came to new life just attending and eventually their full-time was a pastor. So I guess if you just show up to any CMA church and you Pretty hang much. out, they'll hire you. If you do stuff, so, yeah. go just to kidding. CMA's. Just kidding. Yep. I will say, though, I mean, um, we are always looking for good, godly guys in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Yep. I just finished my ordination program. Congrats it's on that, intense. by the way. Yeah. Sorry, um, I couldn't be there for your service, but. Well, I haven't. Oh, you're not going to be there? Do you, do you have to do ordination as well, Luke? He's already done. I finished it. You finished it. Oh, dude, Rick. We got, we got licensed the same day. Yep. April 21st, 2015. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Wow. <laughs> and Luke beat you by a whole year. Yeah, he's much better. He's so smart. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not true. I uh, crammed really bad at the end and somehow made it in. 
I was given like extensions like twice. It was kind of rough, but anyway. so he had two extensions and still like, beat you by a year. M- small extensions, like few day extensions. <laughs> I, think, but... I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> oh, so we're all three ordained. Yeah, Rob got. You know how Rob got Rob ordained? Got ordained? Don't what? even start. SBC. He signed a paper. Oh my gosh! That's it. Look, we're congregation. The guy's like, yeah, yeah congregation. They didn't have saying it. They, had, they knew nothing about you. <laughs> they knew a lot about me. They, they, <laughs> they knew the tons about me. They don't know. Do they know you're ordained? In the congregation? Yeah. I was actually talking with a guy the other day. Yeah. And a girl that I work with showed up at our church. Okay. Are and you, I had no idea she was a believer. Well, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. You better be. <clears throat> and I was like, I think I that girl works at the same company that I work at. And I was talking to a guy on our security team. And he's like, he's like, she works for LifePoint? And I was like, no, like, I think she works where I work. And he's like, don't you work at LifePoint? I said, no. <laughs> he's like, seriously, you're not on staff? And I said, no, I'm just, because I lead the connections team. And right. I've preached once before and I'm supposed to preach this Sunday. And he was like, are you serious? He's like, this whole time for the past like year and a half, I thought you were on staff. I said, no. He's like, Dude, so you're part-time? Like, nope, <laughs> not part-time. He's like, you do all this for free? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Did you say it well, I'm ordained. I didn't say I was ordained, so ordained. but a, a lot of people think that I am on, on staff. staff, and I'm just not. Gotcha. So I need to go to a CMA church to get on staff, apparently. You do. We'd love to have <laughs> you You don't have to be ordained. <laughs> <laughs> you get on staff. It's a more rigorous process, but it's good. Yeah. Anyway, the first time I actually got to see Luke, I'm trying to get back on, on topic here. You just said when you got to see him. <laughs> no, together for the first time I got to see him perform. I don't perform. But oh, thank you. No. Thank you. <laughs> He performed for us, and he did a great job. <laughs> All right, keep going. Uh, was actually at a youth retreat that Rick had me come and speak at, and worst got to, idea ever. It, no, just kidding. Went terrible. Um, Rob did a great job. Uh, got to see Luke because he was leading the music, and this guy shows up and he's setting up. And he's got a guitar, right? And then he had a kick, kick drum, kick drum, and what else? Did you have a tambourine, tambourine with a kick. Yeah. Metal thing. So he was literally playing three instruments, four if you include his voice, which I think most musicians would include voice as an instrument. So this guy's playing three to four instruments all by himself. He was a one man band leading, and it was incredible. It was so yeah. good. It was. It, it, and so the first night I got to speak, one of my disciples, Mark Glenn, came, and he's in the front row, and he just pulls out his phone and starts recording Luke because he's so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all singing worship songs to the Lord. And this guy pulls out his phone and just inter- <laughs> just videotaping this guy lead music. So Luke is a unique talent. God's gifted him greatly. So okay, Luke, you are married. I am. How long? I mean, you just got married pretty recently. I am like a month and a half into matrimony. Yes, wow. a month and a half into matrimony. Yep, <laughs> that is amazing. And no regrets. No regrets. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single regret. Excellent. Now, we wish Rob could say the same yeah. thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my. Hey, it's already clear. Our wives never listened to this. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, Luke, when did you start playing music? And how did you get into music? Yeah, I, well, I started, I, I can't remember a time when I wasn't. I mean, I was a little toddler, banger on the piano. I started, like, taking lessons when I was, like, seven on the piano. Okay. Yeah, and then picked up guitar when I was like 13 and just kind of went from there. But, what, what instruments can you play? Um, well, I would only say I can like really play like, I would say, yeah, piano, guitar, and then bass and drums. And everything else would be kind of, yeah, not really anything other than that. 
So. Only four instruments. <laughs> I mean, well, you didn't even only, include he, a tambourine in there. He yeah, can only kick drum play. Just, four uh, instruments. Drum, you know, yeah. percussion in general. There you go. So it's funny, quick little story. His sister um, played the piano for my wife. Mm-hmm. Like when Candace was in high school, they, they she was trying for some kind of application, some college thing or whatever, and Katie went and was accompanying her on the piano. Oh, that's cool. Way back. So. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Cool connections. Yes. Very cool. Okay, so let's actually jump in here now that we're, what, 16 minutes in. <laughs> um, we, today we're talking about music in the church. That's right. Which our listeners already knew that because we're kind and we put titles <laughs> for our episodes. <laughs> Straight off. We are so gracious. Yeah. You guys are all very welcome. Uh, but music in the church. And so, Luke, let's just dive right in here. So as the people of God, we gather... We gather on the Lord's Day, first day of the week, because that's the, the pattern that was in, in Scripture in the New Testament under the New Covenant. And so some of the things that people do when they gather in there is they'll notice there's preaching, there's singing, there's uh, oftentimes the sacraments. Um, so in that singing realm, why do we sing? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to uh, I, I, I pull up some notes that I brought with because oh, I'm prepared, prepared and stuff like that. But I'm also going to steal from somebody. Hopefully that's, that's okay. No, you, got, you guys like to steal that. from people on your show, I figured. So <laughs> um, so I'll go ahead and say a really good book on this subject is a book called Rhythms of Grace by Mike Cosper. Uh, yeah, yeah Sojourn Network guy. Yep, yep. Yeah, he's, he's great on this thing. Um, so he gives like four basic reasons to sing. And I put this anytime I have a new worship team member. Uh, I give them a copy of this and kind of overview what, we, what we're about on the team. And I always wanted to read over this. So kind of four reasons, at least, for why we sing. Um, one reason is that singing just is uh, something that kind of flows naturally out of the heart um, that has been reconciled to God as expression of our unity. Colossians three eleven through 17. Uh, there's a verse there in 17 about uh, singing to the Lord, making music to him. And uh, one of the, what's interesting about that passage is that the flow of thought comes directly out of where Paul is talking to them about our unity as a church and stuff like that, and how we're supposed to treat each other. So it all kind of goes together. Um, here's the one that I think is really important. Uh, singing is a means God has chosen to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. All right, so Colossians 3.16, you guys are familiar yep, with it, right? Yep. So like, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly. And the same thought as that, it's so like, how do we do this? The verse goes on to say, singing to one another, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody uh, to the Lord with your heart. Uh, I think that's super interesting uh, because when I typically, when, when at least when I was growing up, when I thought of how to make the word of God dwell in me, singing was not was not a way that I thought about doing that typically. Yeah, that's a good point. I never yeah. thought about it when I was. Here. Yeah, yeah. But it really makes a lot of sense if you think about it because uh, a couple of reasons. One, like when you're a kid, how do you how do you typically learn important stuff? Like when you're like a little kid, right? You sing, yeah. you sing it, right? Like yeah, your ABCs and stuff like that, that or right? like books States, of the Bible the and stuff. We have stuff like that at church for kids. Yep. I think there's a reason that uh, I think about it like dudes like uh, John Newton, uh, Martin Luther wrote hymns for the people to sing because yeah. they were smart and they're like, I want them to believe certain things and I'm going to help them see these truths by sticking the lyrics into a song. Yeah. So, yeah. And, couple- and I mean, just speaking from personal experience, um, when my dad had cancer and was going through that, I don't know, back in 2014, 15. Um, like one of the things that really helped redirect my attention and my focus back to the Lord and trusting that the Lord was good and the Lord was going to take care of us 
was the hymn mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And that has since become my favorite hymn. And, and it's funny that throughout that season of life, I would listen to that song and that song was so powerful for me. But there were, there, there were some here and there, but there were far less sermons that I just recalled. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, the second point of that sermon I listened to three months ago applies directly to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it man, it is well. Yeah. So. Well, well, and I think another, another piece of that is when you consider that poetry and, and music have a way of helping you connect emotionally the truth, I think, in a healthy way. All right. Yeah. So like that can be used in a really, really bad way too, obviously. Like if you're writing songs about heresy, like yeah, Rick, right. Rick does sometimes. And, I write uh, a lot of music. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So. That's, that's the real reason he has this hipster basement. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're writing like lyrics of bad, like bad lyrics, as we'll talk about later, I think on the show, uh, you can really play on people's emotions. I think that's part of why people buy into those things. But on the good side of things, I do think that's the way that God has Help, it's a means God has given us to help us connect to truth. Uh, it, you can say things like more didactically and stuff, and that's important. That's why we have preaching. But there's just something different about when you put it to music and you put it poetically. Uh, so an example I like to use is like if you think about, I think it was uh, Charles Wesley, the hymn of 4,000 Tongues. You guys ever heard, heard that one? It's, it's pretty great. I mean, it's not super well known, but it's, it's a classic. Like you can say, um jesus through his word like brings freedom right? I mean, that's completely true awesome we should praise the lord for that or you can say he speaks in listening to his voice new life the dead receive the mournful broken hearts rejoice the humble poor believe mm. for some reason man that'll just help you connect most of the time yeah a little more readily what's going on it's, yeah. i just think it's again it's not like it's not like it's gonna fix everything but it's one means of grace that god has given us to see can you, can you say that again say what again the part that you quoted yeah the, the, the line? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he speaks in listening to his voice, new life the dead receive, the mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe. Yeah. I mean, that captures, in a sense, like, why, again, why, why we worship, because that makes your heart want to sing. Yeah. Right. It redirects you to Christ. Well, and it, it puts it beautifully. It puts it beautifully. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, it's an art. Yeah. Yeah. I, am, I have no musical giftings at all. I can't sing well. I can't play anything. Um. My wife, she can sing really well, play guitar and stuff. And I'm always jealous of people who are really musically inclined because I feel like they have a way of expressing themselves in, in worship and just that, that my soul sometimes longs for. Because there's something in music that you just express in, in, a, in a depth, yeah. in, in, a, in a purity that it's hard in other ways. Yeah. So. And your wife does have a beautiful voice. She does. Have she sang voice. at our wedding and she, yeah. she killed it. How much did you pay her for that? I forgot. Uh, we we paid her in our own way. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in uh, gratitude and love. <laughs> so okay, your yep. title at your church. What what was that? Worship pastor. Worship pastor. Okay, so there's the yep. common common understanding in churches that like the worship pastor or the worship leader is just the guy who leads music. Yeah. So you want to dive into that because that's not the understanding that your church has with you, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, can I give you reasons three and four? Oh, yeah. Totally. It's all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it quick. Okay, so, so we know where we're going. Rob, the number Rob's three. This, uh, hosting, <laughs> the most, like, interview thing. Here's, so. If you weren't convinced by my first two points, you should be convinced by this one. Number three, Scripture commands you numerous times to save. It's all over the Bible. Yeah. And on top of that, there's an entire book of the Bible, Psalms. <laughs> yeah. It's a song sure. book. Yeah. So it's pretty important. Yeah. And the last one, if you look through, like, biblical history, God's people are a singing people. 
Like think about like the Israelites. Again, think about Psalms. Right. Think about the New Testament where Jesus, right before he had, when he has the Lord's Supper, right? The institution of the Lord's Supper. And they go out to the, right before they go out to the garden, what do they do? Yeah. They sing a hymn. Yeah. And in the book of Revelation, what do we see God's people doing? Yeah, worshiping. It's them worshiping and in yeah, some places right. singing. So, that's a, for yeah. reasons. Those are great points. I mean, it's, there's definitely beyond the shadow of a doubt, biblical evidence, support, and um, command to worship. And part of that is, is through singing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right, Rob. Anyways, sorry, Rob. I asked I, that we, question. <laughs> we yield to you, Rob. Yes. <laughs> wow. This is <laughs> an amazing position to be in. Um, worship leader. Yeah. A phrase that we use. I think it's a misunderstood phrase. Yeah. And I think you have a good understanding of it. So if you want to go ahead and, and expound on that. Yeah, yeah. So I think probably um, the way, what confuses people about that term is the idea that like, what is it almost, I think people can think we need this guy to worship. Like if we're really going to connect with God, if things are going to go the way we're supposed to go, we sometimes you'll even hear people say, "Oh man, this guy is like, you know, he's so anointed or whatever." I'm not saying that's always a bad thing to say, but I think sometimes it gives the impression of like we can't worship without him. But right. Sometimes you hear like, "Oh, this person, he really ushers in the presence of God." <laughs> and uh, I probably I may have said that at one point in my life. I don't yes. know. Now yeah. I like I like freak out if I hear someone <laughs> say that a little bit, but. Yeah. I think here's the most, the key thing to remember is that obviously at the end of the day, there's only one worship leader who can take you in the presence of God, and that's Jesus. There's right. no human being who is worthy to enter the presence of God or to bring anyone else into it, uh, Christ. Yeah, so good word. I would say as far as a human worship leader goes, um, again, I, it, another thing to keep in mind here is what are we talking about? Are we talking about worship as a whole, like the whole service? And that this is a whole other podcast here, but... Your whole service, hopefully, you're worshiping God yes. while you're listening to the sermon, while you're giving your offerings, praying. But specifically, when it comes to singing, wow, Rick just yeah, I, I put, should have put more deodorant. Smelled his today. armpits. I, <laughs> like, I couldn't. Are you smelling better over there? Oh. Yeah. I was trying to keep my train of thought. Sorry, I'm sorry. I know that had to be super distracting, but like it was. Is that is that me? It is you. Yeah. I showered this morning. I've you don't have to lie for people on the podcast. I didn't, well, they can't smell me, so they can't, and they can't see me. So why would I lie about that? <laughs> I'm sorry, Luke. You're talking about Luke, worship. You were saying, all right. Worship in the Anyways, church. worship. Um, yeah. So I think that the position of worship leader, we have to ask ourselves, what's the point? If we're, if we're not really bringing people into the presence of God, what should be the role of the person leading uh, the music? And I think fundamentally, well, in the Bible, who are the people who are supposed to be worshiping God? It's the congregation. And the point of the worship leader, in my opinion, is to help these people to sing and worship God. Yeah. And that's really the only reason you're up there. You're not up there to put on a show or uh, to get even to get people feeling crazy or hyped or whatever it may be. You're not up there to impress. You were there to, as much as humanly possible, help these people to focus on God while singing. Yep. That that is your that is your job. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so, do you, if you have more on that, keep expounding. But I was going to ask. Go ahead. Now go for okay. it. I was going to ask you, so you clearly didn't become a Christian and then just have this understanding, oh, no. right? Heck so no. to take us through a little bit of that. Who were some primary influencers? If you have any book suggestions, you already referenced the, yeah, yeah. my Cosper book. You sure. said it was Rhythms of Grace. Yeah. Okay. No, no. when I was younger, I, I was like, I was up there to perform. And so I, I started playing leading worship when I was in high school. My goal was to become like like was become Hillsong basically like yeah. I'd watch like videos and, like oh man it's so cool like I, someday like I was convinced my little like four person youth band with terrible rhythm <laughs> that within like give us five or six years we were gonna blow up and we're gonna have like the smoke and the lights and sweet oh, electric guitar solos like that's machine 
and my philosophy when it came to what music we did, really lyrics were second, sound was first. Like, yeah. does it sound cool? Yeah. Sounds cool, then people will probably get into it and we'll sound really good yeah. when we do it. So that's what I grew up in. Mean, very emotionally. Wait, are you saying that's wrong? Am I saying that's wrong? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of people in fall into that. Oh, right? yeah, they, absolutely. They get on stage and they feel like they have to, to perform for all yeah. these people watching them. Right. And so there's this really easy way, and you can probably attest to this, of like, wow, like, first off, my identity is at stake here. If I do bad, yes. then yeah. people are going to think of me as a poor musician. Right. But then second, like, there's this, I mean, you want to impress people with your abilities. Right. Whether, you, whether that's consciously or subconsciously, just... Oh, it's, oh, it's a, huge it's, temptation. It's the same in preaching as well. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah just, absolutely. You're, you're so your flesh is drawn to impress, and that doesn't work out too well. Well, and you're convinced that if I am good enough, if I impress enough, then people will want to worship God. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 and the same, same with preaching. Like you can convince yourself that if I do a good enough job, if I'm cool enough, if I sound good enough, people's hearts. People's dead sinful hearts will somehow be moved to worship God by me looking cool, which right. is obviously I mean, nonsense. But Jesus that's couldn't do when he preached, but by golly, <laughs> when I opened the when, word. I, when I play the guitar. <laughs> so anyway, that was where I definitely where I came from. So hopefully, everything I say here, hope you know, it comes across as humility because I did not always see things yeah. this way. But so what was a pivot so, point for you then? I think because clearly you're hard, not trying I, to be Hillsong anymore. Which yeah. Praise God for that because Hillsong. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to say too much here. But yeah, <laughs> I would say it's hard to identify a specific pivot point. When I would just say when I was around 17 or so, I really, I reached a point in my spiritual life where I, I wasn't growing. I could tell I wasn't growing. I was really grieved by that. I couldn't understand what, what the problem was. Basically, what I realized was I was not getting enough uh, Bible and theology. Uh, I, was not, I was not getting solid preaching. I was not getting just the word. Uh, I was not growing in my knowledge of who God was through the word. So um, that kind of set me on a journey. My theological world was rocked severely from how I grew up and what I grew up believing. And in and through that, kind of through a few years, I started to care a lot more about about worship and about how uh, how it was done. Um, and so going back to your question about who influenced me, I mean, I, I, at some point in there, I discovered uh, this group called Sovereign Grace, led yeah. by a fellow named Bob Coughlin. Um, when I first came to Westwood, uh, Jeremy, the lead pastor, gave me a book called Worship Matters by him. I read that. That was really helpful for me. Um, but yeah, I just I started getting exposed to music that was not only done well, like it, with excellence, but that was done with the obvious intention of helping people worship Christ. Not about, not about trying to, to get people to like them or to think they sounded cool or anything like that, but that was lyrically uh, written so well, and you could tell written with a congregation in mind. So Bob Coughlin, another big influence, I mentioned Mike Cosper already, mm -hmm. got to do some worship coaching with him over the phone. He was very, wow, awesome. very kind and helpful. Uh, also, a guy named Matt Boswell, I discovered some of his music kind of early on. Um, yeah, those were a few folks who really helped me. Yeah. So speaking of the Bob, 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 the Bob Coughlin book, <laughs> Bobby K, yeah. Worship Matters, uh, Rick, we've got some business to take care of mm. on the show. And so as Symbol Theology has grown, we've become this worldwide conglomerate. I have no idea where you're going with this. <laughs> uh, you don't have to. I'll, I'll lead you right into it. <laughs> we said at the beginning um, in the little pre-roll there, but today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Mm. And so what Audible is offering for the listeners of Simple Theology... You are so brilliant. I see you, <laughs> You dude. see that segue? Man! <laughs> 
<laughs> Interrupt the guy yep. talking about great theology so you can make a buck. Yep, here we go. Audible <laughs> is offering listeners of Simple Theology a free audiobook. And I, while he was talking, I decided to take the liberty, and I looked it up. It's and Worship Matters by Bob Coughlin is on there. So if you're a worship what? leader or a, a leader of music in your church, check out this book. It's on Audible. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology, you'll be able to get that book for free. And even if you cancel your trial, you still get to keep that Audible book forever. You yeah. don't have to have a trial to keep the book. Um, but in addition to that, and here's the cool part, is that if you sign up for a free trial, we get a small kickback. So it helps out the podcast. And you don't even have to sign up for a plan. You'll still be able to keep the book. So, And how do they boom. sign up? Go to audibletrial.com slash simpletheology. That's great. And I will say that um, as we think, you know, Luke, you talk about the impact of, of books and just reading different things. Um, not really a plug for Audible, but just a plug for, for good books. Is that mm-hmm. as you begin to dig into your theology, that is what really shifted your heart in worship and yes. how you worship and, and the ways you worship. Um, so that's a huge thing that as you dig into the, the Word of God, who God is should enrich your worship life. Yes, so absolutely. That's a, that's a big point. No, I, did, I didn't set out to change my worship life, and, what life right. and the way I led worship. I just started changing the way that I viewed God, or God right. rather started changing the way I viewed Him. Yeah. So... Um, I think one thing that, as we talk about these different things, you know, you're, you talked about your title as worship leader and the, the guys who have influenced you. Um, what do you think is the, the primary responsibility for you when you, you lead worship? Yeah. Well, um, I would say, again, as far as me as a worship leader and as far as uh, leading the actual music portion of the service, the primary focus for me is helping these people to sing and worship God as readily as I possibly can. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, kind of how that looks. Um, for one thing, I always try to make sure that the songs we sing are actually singable. Okay. So, I don't come from a church that is very, very super artistic. To mm-hmm. be honest with you, uh, we're just not a huge focus at this point. I think it's becoming more of that. But you know, I, I'm like, okay, a crowd of 250 some people. Uh, how, what's a song that these people can sing together? Yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot of worship music that you hear on the radio or that's really popular in Christian circles. It may be a great song, maybe even lyrically great, uh, but a lot of times it's either one of two things. Either the melody is such that it's difficult for a person who's not highly trained or highly gifted to sing, or number two, the key that they sing it in is so high right. that you oh, are yeah. just, I mean, we've all been there, you're just struggling to get, you know, and the guy up front, he's a great singer, he's hitting all these great notes, sounds great, but you who are the person, right, the, the congregation, the people who are supposed to be singing to one another, right, you're having trouble even hanging with them. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a, that's a problem. So we talked about this, but you touched on this, the importance of the lyrics. Yeah. So lyrics might be great, but you still need to think about the, the singability of the congregation. Yeah. But how much do lyrics really matter in worship songs? Right. Because sometimes, like you said, it sounds cool. Um, maybe there's a cool video in the background, too, which, you know, the screen, all that stuff or whatever. Yeah. Lyrics really matter. They do. They so. do. No, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying. I mean, think about it. I mean, we're told in Colossians 3.16, you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the way that that's supposed to play out, one of the ways it's supposed to play out is through addressing each other, singing to each other, and singing to uh, the Lord, right? And so what you have to ask yourself is, does this song 
reflect the word of Christ? All right, does it accurately reflect it? And I mean, just you're putting theology, you're putting thoughts about who God is, beliefs about who God is very deeply into people's emotions and into their heads. So there are huge implications for uh, what we communicate with our song lyrics. Yeah, yeah I think just as you begin to, uh, for me, really think about this the last couple of years, um, there's so many songs that I grew up singing or I, I loved singing or are near and dear because mm-hmm. I grew up singing. And you're like, man, that's actually probably not lyrically accurate. <laughs> yeah. It's not biblical, you know? Yeah. It sounds good and it, in a sense it captures your what your heart might feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not truly accurate. Yeah. And well, so it's, it's dangerous. And you think about it, like what I'm singing to the Lord, I don't really want to sing something to God that's not true about him. Yeah. Like that's kind of offensive. Yeah. And, and I'm singing to another person in a sense, I think like kind of confessing together what we believe. I don't want to confess something I don't believe to be right. true. But I do think there's a real temptation, once again, if you're hooked on just how things sound. Mm-hmm. Not that sound doesn't matter, but if that's the main thing driving you, there's a real temptation to kind of just gloss over things. Yeah. So, like, I, I had an opportunity to uh, help lead worship with another guy. Uh, and long story short, we had a certain worship song come up that was it was a Hillsong song, and we do some Hillsong stuff at our church. Let me just say, I yeah, don't think do they're too. all bad. I love some too. of their stuff. I was going to circle back and ask that question. But there yeah, was yeah. one. Um, it was I don't even remember what it's called. It, it's the one that talks about like uh, nature and science. Follow the sound of your voice um, as you speak. A thousand different creatures. Oh catch your yeah, breath. yeah. I forget. It's, it's like kind of a weird million, name. Billion times. Hundred yeah, billion times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, she doesn't even know the song. But our, our billion church played that so many times. What's it called? I'm gonna look this up. 100 billion times. It has yeah. like a, a really fancy name, and then it's 100 billion times. Yeah, it's a really long song. Yeah. Whenever they play it, I always think, man, we're going to be here for the next 12 yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did it really Especially well. Especially if they repeat like, it. Um, long but I, I think, uh, if I remember right, like the, a lot of the lyrics are really great, but there's just one line where it talks about uh, uh, like nature, science, following the sound of God's voice. And then it says, as you speak, a thousand different creatures catch your breath evolving in pursuit of what you said. All right. So. My thing was, and he kind of acknowledges to me at first, was like, well, I don't know about this song. I was like, well, I'm like, at the end of the day, it looks like if you take this in a plain sense reading, the way that most people out there are going to take it, it looks like this person believes in theistic evolution. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, there's some people who I love who believe in I don't certainly don't agree with that. There's yeah. some people I yep. love who do. Yep. But bottom line was, I was like, we don't believe in this man. So let's not sing this lyric. Whereas for this dude, he was kind of like, well, maybe the artist meant something different. I don't know. And uh, I don't know. That's just a good example of it's easy to just gloss over things. Yeah. And say, well, do you really want the person out there in your congregation to believe that stuff evolves in a way that at least it would be taken by them? You have, these are the kind of questions you have to ask yourself. Yeah. I mean, James, James three talks about how like leaders are going to be held to a stricter stricter judgment. I mean, even as someone who's leading music, you're still teaching people right. through song exactly. things about God. Exactly. Do, would you modify a lyric? Yeah, we modified that lyric. Okay. We, that's what we did. I said, because that's what I told him. I was like, well, we, we can modify it. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to be like, I'm not going to play it. You know, right. but like, I would have done that. I'll be honest with you. It would have yeah, taken enough deal to me. I wasn't going to stand up there and lead yeah. a song I thought was false. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I we modified it. It was, it was yeah. pretty easy. Which, so. I mean, at least you modified it to, like, better theology. You right. know what I mean? Because yep. there, there are people who have taken songs and removed the word wrath. Yep. And it's like, well, honestly, that's a biblical term. Like, God has. Yeah. I, I remember something somewhere um, at a, a 
a youth thing when I was younger, and this they took the word dance out of the song because it was like a really conservative <laughs> Baptist. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably Baptist. And they took the word dance. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm Baptist. So, I love Baptist, but there is uh, a stream that's like, do not dance, yeah. <laughs> which is just crazy. Um, anyway, uh, Luke, so you've told us all about your story. You've told us about kind of where you are now. What are you learning now at this stage? of your walk with the Lord and where you are with your church and the way that you're leading people? What are some things that you've been learning just recently? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, if staying in the vein of, of worship, at least, um, just the learning from, honestly, learning from history, I think, uh, it's really... What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think, uh, what, what's the what's the C.S. Lewis line, like chron- chronological snobbery or whatever, mm-hmm. where, like, you tend to think, oh, man, if they did it in the past, like... Those people, people were weird. Yeah, they back didn't know then. as well. They we didn't have as much information as us. When it comes to church worship, I think in particular, we need to try to learn from the past. So when I say learn from that, I mean just look at what people did, look at what the church thought, what good, clear biblical thinkers thought about worship, what they did, what churches practiced for centuries, and then just kind of take okay, how much of this is good, and how much of this maybe should I consider transferring. Uh, to my life today. So lately, I've been doing some reading on just how churches structured their service. Um, I mean, honestly, from like like Roman Catholic days on through the Reformation and the intentional changes that were made by Luther and Calvin and others to be like, we want to make this accessible to people and as focused on the gospel as possible. Yeah. And how can we maximize every aspect of the service, the singing, the prayers, to help people be led to Christ? That's really, uh, really crucial, I think. So yeah, that's just some stuff I've been trying to continue to grow in yeah. uh, from my own heart. Really cool. my own now, sake. did you, like in your reading, have you been able to figure out the kind of fog machine or the kind of lasers yeah, that, that Luther and yeah. Calvin used? Yeah, yeah, they were pretty into those as well. Um, of course, Spurgeon brand. Too, right? That was, that was just a Spurgeon Sinclair. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, break the Stokes out later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you didn't actually get a brand for, in terms of the ones they used? No, I but didn't. But they definitely I, used They that. definitely did. Yeah, yeah they, they definitely was, had they the fog machine. Sure yeah, there was like to a pot the boiling. To, I mean, to the invite the Holy boiling, Spirit. Yeah, steam going steam through the sanctuary. <laughs> Wafting it through the congregation. That was why people fainted during sermons and stuff sometimes in the Great Awakening. Exactly. Overcome it, I think. <laughs> okay, so Rick, you do you have anything else? You think people actually like, put stuff in fog machines and make people faint? Ooh, Ooh conspiracy! conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Bethel? Like put in like that gold dust, gold dust in the vents, and feathers, and angel <laughs> and feathers said, like, and stuff. The Holy Spirit is descending on us. It's like <laughs> oh a, my gosh. the what was what they call it? Some kind of like spirit cloud. The manifest or presence of God is what they the manifest yeah, presence of God. Into, but Bethel. So the second advent? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's another. I'm not sure they know. That's <laughs> another example, though. Like yeah. Bethel, of some of their stuff. Some of their songs are just incredibly yeah. well done yeah, and very beautiful. Like you could, you can actually have some really great songs out of some streams of theology. Yeah, that just aren't great. Well, like for instance, it is well. Yes, I was about to go there. Yep. Yeah, the I guy. To that the, this morning, dude. That song is like I said earlier, my favorite, my favorite hymn. Yeah. But the guy who wrote it just had some really wacky theology. Yeah. But that song, the Lord used to describe clear theology yep yeah. so yep yeah it, it, i think that that idea where we see this with hell song with bethel and we see this with with teaching stuff it's a little different um teachers who who stray off the music because i think music it's just like a five minute thing and then done mm-hmm. but teaching most people view that as instructional you, you need to go then take that and apply it to your life and 
Typically, music should be the same way, but we don't view it the same way. You know. Why do you think that is? Um, well, like I said, it, people we've made it into so many other entertainment things, which is great. Yeah. But preaching only happens through the church. Music happens in so many different areas of our life. Um, but like I was saying, there's you, you got to be really discerning in saying who you're going to listen to, mm, and yeah. and saying, hey, you know, this is still good. This is I can I can add this in, but I'm not going to take that. Okay. So speaking of you know who I mean? we listen to, let's just maybe we can go as around far as music. Yeah, and share like Luke. Who are give us your favorite or top two uh, bands to listen to when you're listening to worship music? So worship music, okay. Yeah, and I have a feeling you're gonna take mine, but go ahead. Uh, my favorite, as far as well, I would distinguish between what I listen to and what I want my people to sing because this it can be a little different. But, okay. But I'll go with so when it comes to stuff I listen to that I'd want my people to probably sing. Um, Matt Boswell writes incredibly good. Uh, modern worship music for the church. It has a modern feel, but it's also kind of extremely singable. It's good. Um, Sovereign Grace. Um, I'll be honest. I, I don't. I don't no, think. Was, I don't mine, think yeah. all of their songs yeah. are super singable. They're all theologically and stuff just sweet. But uh, I, many of their songs, their newest album actually, we do several are doing several off their newest album, uh, Paris of the Saints, I think. And then probably one of the best would be Keith and Kristen Getty. They're a little mm-hmm. bit. They've been around for a while, yeah. but I mean, they wrote. They're kind of made in Christ alone. Yeah, popular. I mean, as far he, as he singability, like twenty three or something. Or What's that? Out. He was like in his early twenties when yeah. he wrote that song. Wow. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Sorry, keep going. No, you're good. But as far as like, uh, number one being clear on the truth, and then number two being saying it beautifully and poetically, mm-hmm. and making it extremely singable, they're pretty hard to beat. I yeah. think combining those three elements. Yeah. yeah, cool. I'm a big fan of Citizens and Saints. Citizens and Saints. I enjoy them. Yeah. yeah. Citizens and Saints. Um, I'm going to give three since you gave a few. Do it. Um, King's Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. On, on one of their newer albums, they dropped the F-bomb. to kind of Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was like to describe. That was a big deal. Yeah, it was. I was really kind of disappointed in that. But like it was to describe. Um, he said he was trying to portray the honesty that he had of the things that he had written down in his journal during yeah. a season of time. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. And so right. like. Like, that's fine, man. You want to be honest in your journal, like, feel free. But you didn't really have to put it into a song. <laughs> a lot of things in my heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That go through so, my head that I don't think I want to say. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But King Soxwood does, I mean, they've got a lot of other really good stuff. Mm, yep. Um, and then I also really like the Sing Team. I don't know if you ever listened to that yeah, or not. Yeah, I've heard some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. so those are, those are some for me. What about you, Rick? Um, don't really do music much. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say I don't have, like, a got Sovereign Grace definitely do that stuff. Um, listen to them. I, I do listen to a lot of old hymns. Um, so that kind of stuff. I'm kind of boring when it comes to this. I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, that's something that like um, those three bands I just listened to, they take a lot of those hymns and just kind of modernize yeah. them. Yeah. Just adding in. Right. And I mean, I do like King's instruments a lot of and stuff. And um, what was the, the other one you said? The last one you said, though? I've never heard that one. The Sing Team? Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're right the same. Sing Team. Yeah. That's an yeah. interesting name. Have you heard of Ascend the Hill? Uh, the hymn? No, the band. Uh, yes, I have. I don't know any of their stuff. Yeah, they're they're kind of the same. They do a lot of hymns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mean I vary. Sometimes I listen to a lot of hymns. I also listen to like some Christian rap. Uh, oh, some, yeah, give us some of those, man. You mean rap for you? Yes. Okay. Uh, just kidding. I'm not rapping. <laughs> um, so Triple um, Lecrae, obviously. Those guys, Triple E, who, yeah, incredible rapper, but dude, I had never listened to him preach. Mm-hmm. That guy can kill it behind the pulpit. Like he is a really gifted preacher. 
Yeah. He was at that um, first five conference that you were going to go with me, but you bailed. No, I don't even want to get into <laughs> that. I would just say. And he killed it. I did not bail. I was no, no, no. Like you, you were gonna, from you were going to go, sources. and then and we're you gonna stop, decided not to go. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Um, Rick bailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so here's my thought, because as a pastor who has no gifting in music, like I hear what you're saying, and I think through liturgy and, and worship service, um, I think corporate gatherings are vital. I think historically they've been given way too much um, weight and way too much time historically in the church, but they're still vital. So how do I, as a person who's not part of that, or in your realm of thinking, like, just start reading some of those books? I mean, how do I really get into some of that to make sure that we are doing the right things as far as a Sunday morning gathering, corporate gathering? Sure, yeah. Well, I think, you know, starting with going back kind of what you said, you want to make sure you understand, number one, why it's important. Yeah. Um, if you think that the Sunday morning gathering is, is at all an optional thing or that the corporate gathering of your whole church is an optional thing that's where you want to start because you want right. to appreciate the rest of it yeah. um, unless you go there so doing a, just start doing some studies on i mean go to hebrews um not forsaking the gathering of yourself together i think also of what paul talks about in th- thinking about the context of of uh is it in first corinthians paul says to when you're assembled together right in the name of christ and my spirit is among you which is kind of a weird phrase but Anyways, this I understanding that this is an assembling together of the saints. And I, and I think, too, understanding the whole uh, where these commands to sing come from. These are letters yeah. that were directed at specific bodies of believers who were being called to sing and do this together, right? And think yeah. about all the times in the Psalms where David talks about all the times where he says, I, may, I praise you in the, in the congregation, yeah. not just off by myself in the woods right. with, my, with my harp, with the sheep or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. but with the people, right? So starting right. to understand that. But as far as the other piece, I, yeah, certainly I recommend the book Rhythms of Grace. It's a great resource. It's really well written, too. It's just like Cosper is just a really good, beautiful writer. So it's yeah. enjoyable read. Cool. Um, but I think I, if I could boil it down, asking myself, is my worship, is our church's worship, is it making the scripture and the gospel as clear and followable as possible? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is it what in my worship service is distracting me from... Uh, from worshiping Christ and focusing on the truth of Scripture, and what in my worship service could just be better, right? What songs am I singing right now that are maybe maybe they're a C grade, yeah. like they pass, you're gonna pass, you're not gonna, you know, it's not like heresy, but could I bump that up to an A plus? Yeah, if I have that option, I want to give my people an A plus every time. Yeah. Well, some, something that um, when you were saying that, trying to make Scripture and the gospel most clear. Um, during the Reformation, that like there was this big shift to yes. really focus in on the Word of God. That that is our supreme authority, uh, not the Pope or not any mm-hmm. kind of structural system. But at the end of the day, we submit ourselves to the Word of God. And so, what, what happened in a lot of churches was pulpits began to get large, like yep. these large pulpits. If, yep. if you go to Southern Seminary and go into uh, their smaller chapel, they've got two of them. You go into the, one of the smaller ones. There's a pulpit there that just is this massive thing, and yeah. it's supposed to be an exact replica of First Baptist Church in Providence, Rhode Island. And you go into it, and you like step up these steps, you enter in, you shut the gate behind you, and you're surrounded all around by this pulpit. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons for that is the, re- the reformers were trying to make it clear that the exposition of God's word, God's word proclaimed, God's word at the end of the day is the primary focus of the gathering of the saints because that's how we learn about God, and that's how we can then worship God 
more clearly. And so when you were saying with the music that we're trying to portray clearly the scripture and the gospel, like that's just such a, a good point to hit on because if we get that wrong, then we, we get the gathering right. wrong. Well, and, and your point there, what it shows is that what you believe, what you believe about God and about the Bible, about the gospel, that will come out in yeah. the way you do church. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So the reason that pulpits and stuff like that looked the way they did back then is because that's what they believed hmm. about scripture in mm-hmm. a huge way. And so it's not always going to look the same. It's going to take on different forms and different cultures and different places. Yeah. But fundamentally, that really is at the heart of it. Is yeah. making sure do I and my people do we love the gospel? Because if we do, it's going to have an impact on uh, the way we worship. Yeah, we're going to make much of of the gospel. Make right. much of the yes. Of God. Yeah, it's good. So, Luke, we got to wrap this thing up. So, how can if listeners are interested in following you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, well, I am on Twitter, so that's probably the easiest, most successful way to get hold of me. So. Also, his um, phone number is uh, yeah. Rick makes my that joke all the time. Um, it, <laughs> no, so uh, Twitter, I'm Luke Miller. That's my handle. Miller. I am Luke Miller. Just I'm Luke Miller. The contraction. Just I am. Cannot I am. Okay. No, no am. The letter no. I, the letter it's a contraction, M. but there's no apostrophe. Okay. So it's bad grammar. But I'm Luke Miller. That's my Twitter handle. Or you can go to westwoodcma.org. Find me under the leadership tab thingy, and uh, you can you can connect with me somewhere on that website. Just, and yep. if they wanted to listen to some of your preaching, could they go to Westwood? They could, yeah. They Westwood. I only preach like every couple months, so you're not going to hear me a lot, but I'm on there. Yeah. What's the website again? Uh, Westwood CMA, as in Christian Missionary Alliance, westwoodcma.org. Excellent. So, Rick, how can listeners get in touch with us? Yeah, well, um, as always, we love to hear from you guys. You can hit us up on Facebook at Simple Theology. We're on Twitter at Simple Theology underscore. And as always, check out our website. At our website, you, there'll be blogs. Um, there'll be maybe some pictures. Yeah, which, by that. the way, we didn't actually reference this, but Luke wrote a killer article for this exact topic. Yeah. So that will be up. Yeah, so it's, it's called Music in the Church. Yeah. We'll, we'll post it. And um, excited about that. But yeah, always love hearing from you guys. Check out the website again, simpletheology.org. If you're interested in supporting us, we'd love to have your support. Head to Patreon. There'll be a short little video there. And. Um, just find some There's theology no there. There's no video. Well, you said there would be one. For people who, yeah, Patreon. who are supporting us, there's you can have access to other videos, a little behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay, whatever. If you're a supporter on Patreon, yep. there you go. So do that. And then, as Rob said, Audible. So if you go to audible.com nope. and... No? Audible trial. Dude, audibletrial.com slash simple theology. And Rob's always cracking the whip on these things. <laughs> But yeah, we Read love the script, hearing... dog. Dude, what's a script? <laughs> Led by the Spirit. Um, <laughs> call to action. Can we read that too? Call to action. Colon. Tell your friend about the show. <laughs> Just reading it. But yeah, you know, we love hearing from you guys. Um, share. If you're enjoying it, share. If you're enjoying it, leave us a, a review, all that good stuff. And uh, Luke, glad you made it. Yeah, thank you, man. Simple yeah, Theology um, History. Has been made. It has been made. Glad I could be a part of it. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, enjoy it. All right. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>